0: if you will, please, let's all stand tonight. A shelter in the time of storm. Jesus is our rock. The Lord's our rock, in him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Time of storm all oh, the second now, a shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No fears, alarm, no cause of fright. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a wind.
1: turn around, shake hands, and fellowship one with another. I'm glad we've got a shelter in the time of storm, aren't you? Well, I'm glad five of you are here tonight. Amen. Maybe the rest of you will join us here in a little while. Glad you're here tonight. Let's pray now. So the Lord to bless us. Remember all of the things going on. Arowana next door. And then, of course, last week we announced that the young people were shooting for 100. And their midweek service, they actually had 104. Isn't that great? And so I don't know what they've got tonight, but they've been having a great crowd over there. So let's remember the teenagers and, of course, everything that's going on. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that you are our rock that we can go to and our shelter in the time of storm. Thank of the psalmist and his words, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Thank you, Lord, we have a place to go. Now, Father, bless the service tonight. Use it as we look at your word, and may we leave tonight. Learning more about your word and then using that truth in our life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's sing it. No, not one. Let's all remain standing.
2: There's not
0: a friend like the lowly Jesus. No.
1: Let our Ushers come forward to receive our offering. It reminds you just a couple of things. Uh, our faith semester concluded last week, but we will have visitation tomorrow night. So if you can join us tomorrow night, anybody from our faith teams, I uh, want to encourage you to be with us tomorrow night because we continue following up on people that have been here. so we need all of you that will to come out. And if you're interested in being part of faith, the next semester starts the last of January of next year. Be a real blessing to you. Now is the time to let us know that you want to be a part of faith. Sunday night, will be uh, you'll find in your bulletin Sunday, another one of the uh, uh, enlistment uh, little forms service in 2002. Let us know about faith. I would encourage you to be a part of it. If you want to be a part of something exciting, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most exciting things happening around here is faith. And uh, anybody that's been through it will testify to that. So you think about doing that. But be with us tomorrow night this station at 7 o'clock. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering now. Continue to move in our service tonight our study of your word in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is the living water. He's the bread of life. He's everything that we need. And uh, as he told the woman at the well of Samaria, he said, if you drink of this water, the water of the world, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I'm going to give you, you'll never have to worry about thirsting again. And this should be our prayer every day as his children, fill my cup, Lord, fill it up, and make me whole. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. But then. my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry, fill my cup thirsting of my soul world who are craving the pleasures of
1: Let's take our Bible and turn to the book of James, chapter 2. The book of James, chapter 2. And we'll pick up where we left off a month ago before we began our missions month. And, of course, you know on Wednesday nights we've been going through the book of James. It's good to have Mike West home with us. He's been in Puerto Rico with Claim, putting a roof on a building down there for Sammy Popwell. Good to have him back tonight. So if you see Rhonda looking a little discouraged, it's because Mike's back home. Amen. Good to have him home. Appreciate Mike's love for missions. James 2, let's stand as we honor the reading of his word. We're going to look at the verses 1 through 13 tonight. So we've got a lot of territory to cover. And so let's kick it in high gear and we'll go through these 13 verses and uh, consider what he has to say tonight about the subject of discrimination. I don't think in all the years that I have been preaching and, and been saved that I've ever heard anybody in a service Preach on discrimination. But that's what he talks about in James 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible said, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place and say to the poor stand thou here or sit here under my footstool are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts hearken my beloved brethren hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him but ye have despised the poor do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do, they, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all for he that said do not commit adultery said also do not kill now if thou commit no adultery yet if thou kill thou art become a transgressor of the law so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy and mercy rejoiceth Against judgment. Thank you. you. May be seated. Tonight, let's look at this passage and we'll simply title it Anybody and Everybody is Somebody. Anybody and Everybody is Somebody. Let's look at this fascinating passage tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the reading of the word. Thank you, Lord, just for the joy of being able to read it. Thank you, Lord, just for the privilege of being able to read it publicly. What an honor and what a blessing just to hear the Word of God read but even more so Lord is the wonderful privilege you've given us to study your word and to learn your word so fill us with the Holy Spirit tonight both speaker and listener that we may hear what you have to say in your word so give us something tonight that will help us and we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus name we pray amen I'm sure most of you recognize have heard the name Mahatma Mahatma Gandhi In his autobiography Gandhi wrote that during his student days he read the gospels seriously and entertained the thought of becoming a christian he believed that in the teachings of jesus that he could find the solution to the caste system that was dividing the people of india so he decided one sunday that he would visit and attend services at a nearby church however when he entered the sanctuary Anusha refused to give him a seat and suggested to Gandhi that he worship with his own people. Gandhi left that church that day and never went back to a Christian church again. And he wrote in his autobiography that if Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. I've often thought about what a difference it would have made if Gandhi had become a Christian. But I think about the matter of uh, discrimination. When you come to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, you find that the subject is the matter of discrimination. You find in verse 1 the phrase, respect of persons. In verse 3, you see the phrase, and ye have respect to him. In verse 9, you find the phrase, but if ye have respect to persons. And you'll also notice in verse 4 the phrase there, are you not partial in yourselves? These phrases all speak of the matter of showing favoritism and the matter of being discriminatory. Now when we think of discrimination tonight, we often and we usually think in terms of racial discrimination. And racial discrimination has been a problem and there's no doubt about it. The subject of racial discrimination is one that touches practically every page of human history and it embraces practically every nation of the world. Rosa Parks refusing to give up up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. George Wallace blocking the entrance of the University of Alabama to black students. And the students sitting at the Woolworths Diner in Greensboro, North Carolina and the murder of three students in Mississippi and the marches of Martin Luther King, they all find their roots in the fight against racial discrimination in America. And racial discrimination, you know, is still a very hot subject in America. Today, terms like hate crimes and racial profiling have become a part of our vocabulary as Americans. There's a lot to be said about racial discrimination, but in my opinion, you listen to me carefully tonight, The greatest victims of discrimination in this country today is those that know Jesus Christ as your savior and those that are Christians. You see, anti-Christian bigotry is accelerating at a rapid pace in this country and it's getting worse and worse and worse every day of our lives. It's come to the place in this country, and you agree with me or not, but it's come to a place in this country when anyone and anything can have a voice in this country except those who claim to be a Christian. I think about an organization called Lambda. I was reading about it the other day. In fact, I went on the internet and, and did went to the webpage and, and looked a little bit about looked and learned a little bit about it. But it's an organization that advertises itself as a nonprofit, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender agency with the mission to create social change and achieve full civil rights. Dignity and self-respect for gay, lesbian, bisexual and transgendered individuals through education, youth advocacy, anti-violence efforts and fighting discrimination of all forms to achieve full participation in society of persons belonging to a sexual minority. Now let me just say this and I know this is not very popular but I want to say there is nothing dignified and there's nothing self-respecting about a lifestyle that is immoral and sinful and plainly condemned by the Word of God and when I make that statement I am not being homophobic and I am not being discriminatory I am simply being biblical in my statements but here's the point groups like Lambda can promote their agenda they can champion their cause and they can have a voice in public life and woe be to the individual that dares challenge their voice. But however, if you're a Christian, you're told that if you're a Christian, you are told that you have to divorce your faith from anything that is public. I say to you tonight, if there is discrimi- discrimination in this country, it is especially toward those that name the name of Jesus Christ. But that's another issue. I just slipped that in there. Can I get amen right there? But when you come to James chapter 2, the issue is not Christians that are being discriminated against, but it is Christians that are being discriminatory. For you, when you look at what James had to say in James chapter 2, you'll find that he deals with discrimination on the part of a believer, a believer practicing discrimination and it existing in the church. You have your little brochure tonight. Follow me, fill in the blanks, and let's look at the text tonight. First of all, I want you to notice from James chapter 2 that first of all discrimination is a dishonor to our faith discrimination in any form is a dishonor to our faith you notice verse 1 of our text the Bible said my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory with respect to persons again there's that statement respect to persons it has to do with being discriminatory james tells us that discrimination on the part of a christian is something that contradicts our faith and it's something that dishonors our faith when he talks about the faith of our lord jesus christ he's literally talking about our faith in jesus christ he's talking about the relationship that we have with christ through faith in him as our savior and he tells me in verse 1 it seems to say that If there is discrimination in my life if I am discriminating in any way then it dishonors my faith you say how well notice first of all it is a a dishonor to my faith because one because of who we are it is a dishonor to my faith because of who we are you notice there that he calls us brethren you see that in verse one my brethren he calls us brothers and sisters in the family of God now you listen to me tonight if you have been saved you are a part of God's family as brothers as believers we are brothers and sisters in the Lord and you find over and over throughout the Bible that it talks about saved people being children of God which implies that we're brethren that is spiritual brothers and sisters and may I say tonight regardless of our race regardless of our skin color Regardless of our occupations, regardless of our vocations or our backgrounds, if we are saved tonight, then we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Back in the 1800s, there was a German anthropologist by the name of Blumenbach that was responsible for dividing the human species into the classes of the races they are. And he divided the human race into five races, uh, the human, human species into five races, Caucasian, which is mostly European, Mongolian which is East Asians and Malayan which is Southeast Asians and Pacific Islanders Ethiopians which is Sub-Saharan Africans and then Americans which are Native Americans But may I say tonight that when God looks down upon us tonight, He doesn't look down upon us as Caucasians. He doesn't look down upon us as Mongolians. He doesn't look down upon us as Malayans or Ethiopians or Americans. He looks down upon us as sinners that have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And He sees us one in His family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. I think of a little story I read not too long ago about two apples that were up in a tree and they were looking down on the world. And the first apple said, Look at all those people fighting, robbing, and rioting. No one seems willing to get along with his fellow man. Someday we apples are going to be the only things that are left, and then we'll rule the world. And the second apple replied, Which of us, the reds or the greens? Well, unfortunately, we often think in terms of race. And we often look at people and think in terms, what is their nationality? What is their race? What is the color of their skin? But I want you to know tonight, God doesn't look down upon the human race and see white or black or red or yellow. But God looks down and sees us either lost or saved. And if you've been saved with the grace of God, then we are a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you consider the fact of who we are, then you realize tonight that it dishonors our faith when we are discriminatory but notice second of all not only does it dishonor our faith because of who we are but it dishonors our faith because of whose we are For you notice in verse 1 that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory and you'll notice there that the words the Lord are in italicized meaning they were added there by the translators we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ the glory he's talking about Christ the glorious one that we belong to the glorious one, the one of glory, Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about Jesus, you think of someone that never showed favoritism. And you think of someone that never showed that was never discriminatory. You think of someone that loved the whole world. You think of someone that died for all. You think of someone that was no respecter of persons. When you think of God's love, you think of a love for the world. The world being all colors, all conditions, all circumstances, all climes, all castes, and all classes. God does not discriminate. And when you consider the fact that we belong to one that never showed favoritism or discrimination, it is a dishonor to our faith when we are guilty of discriminating. It dishonors our faith because of who we are and whose we are. It is a dishonoring of our faith. But the second thing, notice beginning of verse 2. Discrimination not only is a dishonor to our faith, but discrimination is also a disgrace to our fellowship. If you notice beginning of verse 2 that James takes us into a church service. Are you with me now? I'd say amen. He takes us into a church service for you notice in verse 2 the word assembly. For if there come unto your assembly, and the word assembly is telling us that this is a church service that he's about to take us into and it also indicates that what he is about to say about discrimination involves the church services and what was going on in the services he's about to address discrimination being found in the church now let me say at the very beginning if there is a place on the face of god's earth where there should be no discrimination it ought to be in the house of god If there's a place where the barriers ought to be broken down and all the lines have been erased, it ought to be in the house of God. Of all places on earth in which there should not be discrimination, it ought to be the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, I think about a story I read this week, uh, David Jeremiah, his book on James. He tells a story about a Sunday morning in the Bel Air Presbyterian Church where Ronald Reagan and Nancy attended when he was governor of California. And whenever the Reagans were in the services, they usually sat in the same seats just off the center aisle about two-thirds of the way into the sanctuary. But on this particular Sunday morning, the governor and his wife were late getting to church, and by the time they got there, two college students were sitting in those seats. An usher came down the aisle and asked the students to move. They moved, and the Reagans were brought in, and then they were seated. The pastor of the church saw the whole thing, he got up, left the platform, walked down, and walked over to the college students and looked at him and said, as long as I am pastor of this church, this will never happen to you again. And I applaud that pastor because I don't care if it's a governor or the president of the United States. The church is not a place to show favoritism. It is not a place to show discrimination. In the church, everybody and anybody should be somebody. Can I get an amen right there? Rick Warren, in one of his sermons, he says there's at least five areas where we as believers can be tempted to discriminate. We can discriminate on the basis of appearance. We can discriminate on the basis of ancestry. We can discriminate on the basis of age. We can discriminate on the basis of achievement. And we can discriminate on the basis of affluence. Well, in the case before, is in James 2, the church discriminated on the basis of appearance and affluence. Now notice this the passage here, beginning first of all, I want you to notice an illustration of the practice of discrimination. Notice an illustration of the practice of discrimination. Look at verse 2 and 3. We read it a moment ago, but look at it again. He said, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring, in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect unto him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. Now James in verse 2 and 3 in this illustration describes two different people that came to church and he seems to suggest that these were visitors to the services. So here's a Sunday morning service and two visitors come to their service. They're completely different. One is dressed in fine apparel. One of them has very nice clothing. He's dressed in fine clothing and he wears expensive jewelry. But on the other hand, the other one comes in, he's in vile raiment, which means, which means shabby clothing, worn out clothing. Clothing could even be dirty. And so what you have is the one that is dressed in fine clothes and jewelry, he's given a royal treatment. He's ushered to the best seat in the building. But yet the man that came in in shabby clothes was not even offered a seat. Instead, he's told to stand or to sit in the floor. I think about Guy King his title this chapter and his little book on James he called it the short-sighted usher well I'd call it snobby blind usher but he was simply a case of showing favoritism to one and being discriminatory to the other based on appearance and based on affluence so there's the illustration of discrimination being practiced in the church we we'll look at the second thing beginning in verse 4 not only do you have an illustration but you have a condemnation of the presence of discrimination what does John or what does James say about how they treated one above the other? He said in verse 4, Are you not then partial in yourself and have become judges of evil thoughts? Now he condemns their partiality. He condemns their discrimination. He discri- For one thing, he condemns how they treated the one as somebody. Here's a man now that, has, that by appearance has affluence. Here's a man that has nice clothing, expensive jewelry, and when he comes in, as it said, they give him the royal treatment because he's dressed in nice clothes and he wears expensive rings. So he condemns how they treated one as somebody, and he condemns, furthermore, how they treated the other as nobody. This poor old fellow comes in in shabby, vile clothing, and he's treated like he's nobody. As it said, instead of offering him a seat, they told him if he wanted to they said, they said go just stand and if you happen to get tired and you want to sit down then sit down on the floor they treated him as a nobody simply because of the way that he was dressed they treated him a nobody simply because of the way that he appeared now James says to them you have been partial are you not being partial in yourself you treat one as somebody you treat another as nobody He said what you have done you have made yourself judges of evil thoughts and the word thoughts there has to do with motives makes you wonder what their motive was maybe they were in the building program needed to raise a lot of money and so on a Sunday morning this guy walks in with this fancy clothing on and rings all over his hands, and somebody look, and everybody looks at, oh man, that fella must have a lot of money. Let's treat him right. If we're good to it maybe he'll drop a check in the offering plate today. Let's really roll out the red carpet for him. And maybe when this other fella comes dragging in his poor clothing, they look at him as, well, he can't do any good for us. Maybe that was their motive, or maybe the motive simply was they didn't want his kind around their church. They were a high flute church, maybe city church, and so they didn't want poor people in their church or people that couldn't dress in a nice suit and wear a tie. Whatever the motive was, it was wrong. Their motive was wrong. He said, You become like judges with evil thoughts. What is he talking about? Imagine a judge sitting on a bench, and here's a defendant in front of him. And imagine that judge. Uh, determines the verdict that he's going to make based on how that individual looks or how that individual dresses. You would say that would be an injustice to justice, and it would be. To render a verdict in favor of the defendant just because they are rich and popular or affluent would be a verdict rendered with the wrong motive. And to render a verdict against the defendant simply because he is poor and he's not dressed well would be an injustice to justice. But James said that's what you're like you become like a judge that has rendered a decision based solely on appearance and solely on affluence and he said that's wrong your motive is wrong I can only speak for Temple Baptist I can't speak for any other church but I want you to understand something you know this but everybody is welcome here in Temple Baptist church And there is not one member, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or burst anybody's bubble, but there is not one person here any more important than the next person. And we have people from all walks of life. We have professionals. We have them from every walk of life you can think of. But when folks walk in those doors on Sunday morning, they leave their titles and their reputations on the outside. But when you walk in here, you are no better than anybody else. Anybody, everybody is somebody around here. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it's going to be. Can I get an amen right there? As long as i'm pastor here there'll be no restrictions on who can attend church here regardless of race or riches there will be no discrimination on our part but james says you've been like judges with evil motives well after condemning their discrimination notice what he said in verse five he reminds them of this truth hearken my beloved brother listen to me very carefully what he's saying hath not god chosen the poor of this world rich in faith And heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him now they were guilty of treating the poor with disrespect they were guilty of being discriminatory to those that had nothing but James reminds him I just want to remind you now you're mistreating the poor but I want to remind you tonight that poor people have special interests to God and that poor people have special blessings from the Lord when you look at the Bible you find that all through the Bible that God shows special concern to those that are poor in the Old Testament God made special provisions for the poor when it came to the sacrifices they offered not everybody could afford a bullock not everybody could afford a goat not everybody could afford a lamb or a sheep to offer as a sacrifice but God saw to it that anybody could have had a sacrifice. He provided and put in that clause there that a pigeon or a turtle, dove, a simple little bird could be offered by the poor. He was making it possible for the poor to offer a sacrifice. You'll also find in the Old Testament every seventh year all the debts would be canceled in order to alleviate the debt of the poor so their debt would not continue piling up where they could never repay the debt even when the fields were harvested it's required that they leave the corners alone they couldn't harvest the whole field they had to leave the corners of the field alone so the poor could reap that for themselves the poor were never were never to be charged interest on a loan if they had to sell their property a kinsman had to redeem that property before them you see all through the bible and the old testament god established certain provisions and protections for the poor now he didn't love the poor more than he did the rich But yet he had a special care about the circumstances of the poor. The rich were able to provide certain things for themselves. The poor had not that means. And so God, and care for the poor, had certain protections and provisions for them. But James said, I want you to understand, something. you are despising the people that God has special interest in. And he said, furthermore, I just remind you that they may not have much materially and financially, but they are rich spiritually. He said they're rich in faith and they're heirs of the kingdom of God. They are no, you are no more than them. You know the same Lord. You have the same eternity ahead of you. Again, God did not favor the poor over the rich or love the poor more than the others, but he looked on their circumstances with great interest and care, and he reminded them of it. He said you are disrespecting the very people that God has great care and concern about. But then notice what he said in verse 6. But ye have despised the poor. You've despised the people that God cares about. You have despised the people that God has great interest in. The word despise speaks of how they dishonored the poor, how they mistreated the poor. The word carries the idea of destroying their dignity, of taking away their self-esteem, of taking away. They didn't have anything as far as money was concerned. They didn't have nice clothes. The only thing they had left was their self-respect. But you've even stripped them of that. You have despised the poor. He said, you've acted discriminatory toward the very people that God treats with blessing. But look at verse 6 and 7. He said, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? You see, in those days, there was a lot of persecution going on. You remember when we started the book of James, talked about trials, and James is warning them about the special trials that are going to come. And he's comforting them in the trials they're going through. In those days, being a Christian cost you something. And in those days, to stand up for Christ meant that you could be persecuted for And most of the persecution was instigated by the wealthy. And James says, listen, he said, you're despising the very ones that God has special concern about. But furthermore, it's the people you are catering to are the very people that are abusing you. The people you are showing favoritism to, they're the ones that oppress you. The word means to tyrannize, to exercise inordinate power over others. He said the very people you're catering to and belling up to and rolling out the red carpet for, they're the very ones that's making life miserable for you. They're the, the ones you're showing favoritism to is the very class of people that's running roughshod over you. He said the very class you're catering to is the person that's dragging you into courts and suing you for everything you've got and on top of that they're the ones that's depreciating your faith and blaspheming the name of the savior by which you are called he said you're despising those that god has great care for and you are showing favoritism to the very ones that is abusing you and working against you again what james is talking about is showing how disgraceful discrimination is in the church again may I say this tonight the church should be the one place that is free from discrimination it should not matter to a body of believers what color a person's skin is and it shouldn't matter to anybody in this church or any other church whether somebody's got a suit on or they got a raggy shirt on it shouldn't matter a hill of beans because this is the very place that discrimination should not have an ounce, an inch of ground in it. Say amen right there. It just dishonors our fellowship. But look at the third and the final thing. He not only talks about discrimination as being a dishonor to our faith and discrimination being a dishonor to our fellowship, but he also describes how discrimination is a disservice to our faith. look what he said in verse 12 skip down to verse 12 and we'll come back and look at the verses that lead up to it but they all lead up to this thought in verse 12 he said so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of Liberty James says I just want to remind you that one of these days you're gonna be judged one of these days you're gonna face God one of these days you're gonna stand before the Lord And one of these days, God's going to judge you. And as implied by the context here, one of the things that God will deal with you about on judgment day is discrimination, prejudice, favoritism, discrimination. He said one of these days you're going to face God. Now listen, the fact that discrimination will one day be judged by the Lord ought to make every one of us in this room tonight look at discrimination in an altogether different light. The very fact that one day I'm going to stand before God And the fact that God looks at discrimination the way that he does and the fact that that I will have to face that before God ought to make me look at it and ought to make you look at it in an altogether different light. Ah, but somebody says, but preacher, I can't help but feel the way that I do. It's the way I was brought up. Or it's where I grew up at. Well, my answer to that would be it may have been what because you're going to stand before God with discrimination and prejudice in one of these days. It's awful quiet tonight for some reason. Amen? But look at the first two things here. Why is it? He talks about our future. For one thing, he talks about the sinfulness of discrimination. Look at verse 8. He said, If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do. Well, now James he calls this command to love your neighbors yourself. When we're talking about the neighbors, not the fellow who lives beside you, but he's talking about people around you. He calls the command to love your neighbor a royal law. Now, why is it that he called this command a royal law? It's no doubt because of what he, he based that upon what he heard Jesus say one time. You remember in Matthew twenty-two there was a Pharisee that came to Jesus and he asked him a question. And his purpose was to trip him up, and the question was, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And the Pharisee knew that if Jesus identified one of them, that he had it because all the law was important. And but Jesus, he answered, and the answer that he gave is classic. Jesus said unto him in Matthew twenty-two, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind." This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Nobody could have answered any better. He said, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because what Jesus did in that statement there, he summarized all ten commandments. In the statement, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind, he summarized the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. Because what Jesus said, that if a man will love God with all of his heart, and love God with all of his soul, and love God with all of his mind, then he will not have any other gods before him. He will not worship idols. He will not misuse the name of the Lord. And he will keep the Lord's day holy. That's what Jesus said. The greatest commandment is vertical. You have a right relationship with God. And if you love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind, then it will have a bearing upon your life in these things. But the rest of the commandments, the remaining six, are summarized in the statement, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. For what Jesus said in that was, if a man loves his neighbor as himself, he will honor his father and mother. He will not commit murder. If a man loves his neighbor as himself he will not steal from his neighbor he will not commit adultery he will not give false testimony against his neighbor and he will not covet what his neighbor has Jesus took in those two statements he summarized all the law and James took that and he said now this is the royal law that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. that is we're to treat him with respect and without favoritism and what James said if you do this you do well, you do what's right, you do good. It pleases God. But if you don't, look at verse 9. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin. And you're convinced of the law as transgressors. Shooting straight from the hip, James says discrimination is a sin. James says favoritism is a sin. James says prejudice is a sin. It is a sin because it is a violation of God's royal law. Somebody might say, Well, I know that I should not feel this way about others. But it's not as bad as some sins I could be guilty of. James responds in verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point He's guilty of all. For he that said do not commit adultery also said do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. James says it doesn't matter which law you break. If you just break one law, you still have broken the law. Now all sins are not in the same category. And not all sins have the same magnitude. But the truth of the matter is if you break one law, any law, you're guilty of breaking the law. And if you break the law, you have sin. It doesn't matter what law it is. Whatever law you break is sin. And since the royal law of loving your neighbor as yourself covers all the commandments that are horizontal in our life and have to do with our relationship with others, to break that one law is to break them all. In other words, God looks at discrimination just like he looks at murder. And God looks at discrimination just as he looks at adultery. And God looks at discrimination just as he looks at stealing. He say, I've never stolen. I've never committed murder. I may feel this way, but I had not done all that bad. No. If you are prejudiced and you, have, you are discriminatory, then you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. That's what he said. Now you think about it since God will not condone sin you say no it's a weakness no it's not a weakness it's a sin says my upbringing it's still a sin it's my nature it's your sin it is a sin he makes it very clear well since we know that God's not going to condone sin then second of all you not only see the sinfulness of discrimination but you see the seriousness of discrimination go back to verse 12 So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. One of these days, God's going to judge our sins. And James says we need to speak and act like people that is one day going to face God. We need to talk like one day we're going to stand before God with what we say. We need to live like one day we're going to stand before God with how we behave. Now that makes discrimination very serious, doesn't it? In fact, notice what he said in verse 13. But if this this will jar you rock your boat, look what he said in verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against ju- judgment. You know what James says, if you don't show mercy to others, when you get before God, he's not going to show you mercy either. He said, if you will not show mercy mercy to others, then God's not going to show you mercy. But on the other hand, if you'll show mercy then mercy will rejoice in that day in other words on that day if you have shown mercy you're not going to be embarrassed you're not going to be condemned you're going to be able to rejoice but if you have not shown mercy and if you have not been tolerant and if you have not been accepted of others then god's not going to show you mercy on that day how does discrimination affect our future listen i don't care what you do you're saved you're saved and it will not cause you to lose your salvation but it will affect your reward and it will affect what your reaction will be on the day you stand before God when I stand before the Lord and I've got tons of failures that I don't want to face him with but I hope I can stand there and face him with joy that my failures are not intentional but just part of my weakness of my flesh and human nature not so much that I plainly outrightly disobeyed violated God's law I want to stand there and rejoice and not be ashamed. would not that the way you want to stand before the Lord? Or would you want to stand there embarrassed and have the Lord to condemn you and judge you for those sins? Let me sum it all up. When when I think about discrimination, there is no place for discrimination in either our personal lives as a believer or in our church and our assemblies as a born-again believer discrimination should not have any place in our life it should not have any place in our church for the Christian and for the church anybody and everybody should be treated as somebody and nobody should be treated as nobodies again anybody everybody should be treated as somebody amen Take your prayer sheet for tonight. Thank the Lord he's given us that kind of fellowship here. And I rejoice in that and bless his name for it. For that is not the case everywhere you go. And aren't you glad for that tonight? That you have a church like that. Our prayer sheet for tonight, we want to remember our Missionary of the Week. Tonight, we want to remember Rick and Jackie Bonds. Many of you remember Rick and Jackie our missionaries to the military in Italy. And let's pray for Rick and Jackie tonight. Tended here for a couple of years, two or three years, um, before they went off to the field. And then our church of the week is Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Cherokee, Alabama. Jack Green. This is Steve Green's father. And Jack, of course, he's been here many, many times. Dear friend. Let's remember him tonight in prayer. And then our hospitalist, Brenda Vaughn. And Memorial, she had surgery on Monday. Willie Holcomb. Is it the National Health Center? I believe that's what that is. And recovering from knee surgery. Kenneth Long at Park Ridge. Margaret Browner at Park Ridge. And then many of you know that uh, Lee Porter passed away. And his funeral, they received friends today and and be receiving friends tomorrow from 2 to 9. And then the funeral will be at 1 o'clock. I believe that's 11 o'clock. But we'll double check check that if you would on Friday. And Lee, bless his heart, he was... uh, uh, we've missed him around here. He was a unique fellow, and how the Lord used him through the years. Started leading music, led music in churches all over this county, and he started at the age of seventeen. Started leading music in churches in this county in nineteen twenty-one, and uh, we'll miss him around here. I'll always remember Lee. If you couldn't, if you couldn't hear anything, you remember this: if you he couldn't hear, you somebody was testifying, and they were not testifying loud. Remember how Lee say, speak up can't hear you you remember that and every once in a while they would turn him loose let him lead a song and uh, he'd lead one and then he'd say I'm going to do another and he'd always lead two or three before we ever got through with him there but uh, what a special fellow let's come and gather around the altar tonight let's remember these things and lift all these things up to the Lord let's pray all of you that will Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Father, search our hearts. May there not be one ounce of favoritism or discrimination to be found in our heart or life. It is sin. And Father, we don't want to be guilty of committing sin breaking our fellowship with you. So search our hearts tonight. May we as a church never be guilty of showing favoritism or being discriminatory. Father, help us, Lord, to always be like you, our arms reaching out to everyone regardless of who they are, where they're from, or what they have done. May we love people the way Jesus loved people. May we treat people the way Jesus treated people. May we care like Jesus cared for people. So, Father, help us tonight. Put these truths into us. Then, Lord, tonight we pray for Rick and Jackie. Thank you for them, their family. Bless them in their work with the military. You've used them through the years. Continue to bless them tonight. And bless them in, in the country of Italy. Father, a country so hard to the gospel. But open hearts and make them receptive country of religion but yet blinded by religion bless them Lord and use them there among our military especially at this time and I pray you would help them to be a blessing to encourage our men and women that serve our country bless them there and then father we pray for those in the hospital those that had surgery we would pray you would bless them and help them and strengthen them and then Lord for the Porter family we thank you for Lee for his testimony It's 97 years of life and the majority of that used for you. Thank you for the blessing that he's been to this church through the years. Father, I pray you bless the family, Jill, Prill, all of them. Meet their needs and comfort their hearts at this time. God, continue to bless here. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the great day on Sunday. I pray, Lord, that you bless us as as we go out tomorrow night, as we visit families. I pray you will use us. And then as we come back on the Lord's Day, I pray you would touch us give us a great day on Sunday may you be with us may you anoint us may the name of Jesus Christ be high and lifted up so thank you again for all you've done for us and are doing for us continue to provide continue to guide continue to lead us continue Lord to speak to us that we always know your will in every step we are taking we thank you Lord for how you've led and how you have provided. continue to meet our needs now In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You're dismissed. Shake hands with any visitors that we might have. Let them know how thrilled we are to have them in our Wednesday night Bible study.